Hello, everyone. Hello to our listeners. Hello to all the lovers out there. Thanks for being with us today. Delilah. Okay, I wasn't Delilah. <laughs> it definitely sounded like Delilah. <laughs> and everybody knows that if you listen to the radio station in the early 2000s. Nobody listens to radio anymore, Steven. She's still there. She probably is. Oh, yeah. So sorry to our dedicated fans. Our uh, fans. I like that. We haven't been getting our episodes out weekly. We have been busy living life and loving each other. Ooh. <laughs> We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. We're here wading through the muddy waters of what it means to be a Christian in modern society, one episode at a time. We are so glad you're listening today. It's a great way for us to feel connected to a community, especially as, if you remember, we are living in Ecuador, dealing with uh, language and cultural barriers here. So we we do like that this podcast has brought us closer to this community of listeners. We appreciate you, and thank you for being here with us today. Apparently, we're going to be talking about something I don't even believe in, but uh, yeah, it's the, the love language book. We are going to be talking about love languages today. We're going to be talking about love in general, but the love languages is a book written by Gary Chapman that has been very popular within the Christian community. I have skimmed the book. I I never really sat down and read it cover to cover because, well, it was kind of pop psychology and I felt like skimming it definitely gave me the the gist of it. And I didn't read it at all. Well, there's no surprise. Uh, And so some of you can immediately dismiss most of what I have to say because I didn't read it. But I can say I took the quiz online. Yeah, you did. Full of false dichotomies of which I could not choose, but I had to choose. There wasn't an option for neither. There wasn't an option for both. Okay, okay, you're getting all riled up already. Listen, we'll get into the the quiz in a few minutes. But first, we are going to start with a very simple, yet very complex question, and that is, what is love? Right? Should you do that again and I can actually do the baby don't hurt me? <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to do. I missed my opportunity. Okay, we're just going to move on. All right, what is love? I was trying to figure out what we were going to talk about for this podcast episode. So I was talking to Steve and I was asking him, what is it in our relationship, our loving relationship that you feel you need? <laughs> From me. Just like, how can we start to define? Because I felt like that was a good first question to start for how to define love is to look into our own relationship and kind of go from there because that's the experience that we have. Right. If I recall correctly, I I might have promptly fell asleep and answered nothing. I don't know. Uh, you did not have an answer at first. Two days later, you gave a bit of an answer. It was two days of silence on the matter. And if you know me, I like to talk about things right here and right now. If I have a question for you, I would love that you just answer it. That's been something that we've had to deal with in our marriage. Because Steve 
just doesn't always want to talk about things when I want to talk about things. But eventually we talk about things and things are good. <laughs> so many things. So, Steve, what what did you end up answering? Well, we kind of made a deal when we got married that we were the only ones for each other. So I told you straight up that it was sex that I needed. Oh, my gosh. Should I, I not say that? I should have known it was going to go straight into that. No, no, that's good. Okay, that's not the answer that you gave, but keep, continue. Oh, two days later. Confident and competent. Mainly so that the person I'm with doesn't totally need me. We don't need each other. We just want to be with each other. I mean, we've talked about this before. I feel like we need each other to an extent, but we've both talked about how we don't really believe in soulmates and that we probably could have found other people and been relatively happy it's just that we are very happy with each other, and I, I just think our relationship works really, really well. We have things in common, and we talk about things a lot. You know, things. All the things. <laughs> so many things. If you were to study what is love from the Bible, you might get four different definitions, four different types of love. Eros, storge, philia, and agape. That's romantic love, family love, brotherly love like Philadelphia, <laughs> and cream cheese. Okay, God's divine love. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're fed that growing up as Christians. Agape is this wonderful best love that maybe couples should have for each other. Well, is it though? Well, it, you should have Eros as well. Right. But is Agape a, one of the types of love that you're supposed to have for each other? Or is that just God's love for us? Or is that a two way like, our love for God and God's love for us both? I thought it was the selfless love. I thought that's what it was supposed to be, which is what... So, but can humans even exhibit that if it's a, a God love? We're made in the image of God, so yes. Well, this leads me into another question I will ask you, Steve, since you're sitting right here. And you can't take two days of silence to respond. Is, let's say, let's take two couples, a Christian couple and a secular couple. Is their love for each other different based on religion playing a factor, God playing a factor? Maybe. Uh, I think there's a definite chance we would want to think our love is stronger because it's a union uh, threefold cord, shall we say? Well, I remember the diagram of a triangle. The top point of the triangle is God. And then the couple each are on the bottom two points. And then they always taught us growing up that the more you love God, the closer you will get with your partner. Which doesn't work as well in a secular relationship. Yeah, I don't know how that's explained. Do they just, they, the ever elusive they, do they just say like, well, it just maybe they think they have a strong love, but they don't. Could that triangle have a reflection? And then there is a not God, and as close as they get to oh. not God, they, they get closer together. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I think if we were to just answer this in a very simple way for us personally, what is love? It is caring about each other, communicating with each other, being happy when the other person does well at something, laughing with each other, so many things. Yeah. I said simple and I rattled off a bunch of things. But I think for, for us, a lot of it is when we just sit down and talk to each other about issues that are going on, 
with us or issues that are going on in the world. And we just have deep conversations. And I remember that was one of the things that drew me to you way back in college. We were able to talk about things and I was realizing talking to you that you were actually intelligent. I would go with a simpler response to this like you tried to. Please do. And that would be usually you spend your time and you can interpret this how you want doing the things you love. Whoa. Right. I oh, I left that open to interpretation <laughs> on purpose. And I think of, well, goodness, what would I want to do? I, I want to spend time with my wife. Why do I not want to actually have obligatory work in my life so I can spend time with my wife? It's what I wanted to do when we got married. I wanted to spend time with my wife, with Jen, because I loved her. And so it's if you don't find yourself wanting to spend time with that person that you think you love, hard question. Yeah, I I would suggest first to find things that you like to do together. Find things that you like to talk about, but work on it for sure. I think whether you're Christian or not, it's your responsibility to figure out a way to be happy with this person. And once you've exhausted your resources, I would say only then would it come down to a, a possible separation or divorce or whatever. But I don't even want to talk about that. Like, just focus on some things that you guys can have fun doing together. So that was unsolicited advice. Unsolicited. Right. Did we answer the question? I mean, does that wrap it up really well? I don't think anyone can really ever answer that question. I just think it is interesting that I, I think probably a lot of Christians out there would say that their love for their spouse is stronger than a secular couple's. And I, I don't know that I'm at a point in my life where I believe that necessarily anymore. I don't know if I ever was. Yeah. So all you lovers out there, keep on loving. But we do have some scripture about love. Yes, we do, Stephen. Most people are familiar with this. Your love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. I'm pretty sure this was read at our wedding. Is it read at every Christian's wedding? Probably. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I do like verse 7 more so. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Those are the common verses spoken at a Christian wedding, uh, and they're great things about love. Yeah, definitely. I think those are great. I love the last part, the always trusts. Always hopes, always perseveres. Yes. I, that's what I said before I read the last one. Okay, well, we are in agreement. <laughs> anyway, we also have other sources. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Gary Chapman says that love can be broken down into five different languages. Yes. Yeah. Languages. Love languages. And this is how you communicate as a lover. Right, so if we haven't done a good job communicating that... I don't just, think we have. <laughs> maybe, just, maybe this this five-pronged love language approach might be easier for our listeners to understand. And I think there is some... I think there is some merit to this. I know Steve basically detests anything that even hints at pop psychology. But I am of a slightly different mindset. I think if it's something that can help you be a better person or be a better person in a relationship, it's like, go for it. My only thing is take it with a grain of salt. Don't let it be the end all. I'm just going to go on a really quick tangent here. 
with something like the Enneagram. Ah! I'm sorry, Steve. He hates it so much. I think it can be a good tool if it makes you a better person and more self-aware. These are good things. But if you get to the point of saying, well, this is just how I am, and you just kind of stop there, and it's like a horoscope, but then it turns into like this self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing, I think that you need to take a step back and realize that your personality is a lot more complex than a little paragraph blurb about your Enneagram type. But again, if it helps you become a little bit more self-aware and a better human, fantastic. Just don't let yourself be boxed in by it. Okay, so that's kind of a preface going into the five love languages. One, acts of service. For these people, actions speak louder than words. Words. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Two, receiving gifts. For some people, receiving a heartfelt gift is what makes them feel most loved. Three, quality time. This language is all about giving the other person your undivided attention. Coming in at number four, we have words of affirmation. This language uses words to affirm other people. Five, physical touch. To this person, nothing speaks more deeply than appropriate physical touch. (laughs) Now, I would mostly, (laughs) if you just gave me the first five here, these five languages, I would say physical touch, but... I would maybe prefer inappropriate physical touch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought that modifier was really interesting, like appropriate physical touch. So what they mean here is like a hand on the shoulder or the waist or cuddling or hugs or holding hands, stuff like that. Maybe kind of more casual, kind of more throughout the day or when you're out in public and your partner puts his or her arm around you, that kind of thing. I think it's what it's it's talking about. So we're going to talk through a couple of these and expound upon them. Yeah. So Steve said we did both take the quiz, too. So we'll, we'll go over our quiz results in a minute. So exciting. If you want to take the quiz, all you have to do is Google love languages quiz. All right. So going back to acts of service, this is like doing things for your partner that aren't necessarily expected. So let's just say I always do the dishes and then I come into the kitchen one time to Steve doing them. (gasps) I mean, I would like that. That would be nice. I mean, Steve does do the dishes sometimes. I will say I don't know if Jenna's ever taken out the trash. I will not do that. So not that I care. Like that's that's what I'm saying about some of these. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you do that for me or not. You haven't, but it wouldn't matter. I know, I know. Nothing I do matters. I get it. No, definitely things you do matter. (laughs) Yeah, so acts of service. Here's the thing, though. I think people appreciate that most any time. Not even if it was your partner in life. If you do something for somebody else, what happens in this situation, I haven't read the book, but I know that there is a way that you prefer to show your love to other people in a way that you prefer to receive love from other people. Yes, that is correct. That is a good clarification here because when you take the quiz, your results are how you prefer to be loved. It doesn't necessarily talk about how you give love. And in the book, it does go over both of those things. And so when it comes to acts of service, I actually like doing that 
for people. If I can fix something, I like doing that. Yeah. I would prefer to do that. And I don't need them there, so it's not like quality time. I don't need you to be talking to me while I fix the stove or... Speaking of fixing, can you do something about our dishwasher? There's a weird smell coming out of it. She's been saying this for a while. Maybe on the podcast it becomes reality. Ew! Strategy. Anyway, so receiving gifts. This one's kind of weird to me. Well, some people really do like this one. Steve and I, maybe not as much. Well, it's also, at least in these first two, that's fairly ambiguous on what services and what gifts are. Because both of those I could actually really like in different ways. Oh my gosh. But receiving gifts is specifically more like something tangible, something physical. Yes. Maybe something that you paid for. And I think this is, this is a trap. This is a huge trap, really. Because... Sorry, Steve. It's my love language. You have to adhere to that. I need gifts every day. It's a financial black hole. (laughs) Like, don't do it. Yeah. This is how Steve sees things. Try to avoid someone who actually wants that in their life. Or figure out ways that you can still give them things that are tangible that doesn't cost money, maybe? Yeah, those are the gifts I like. Anyway, quality time. This one, I think, is pretty straightforward. It's like spending time with each other. This is the one that I think we like. Yeah, definitely. Mainly because, as I mentioned, my answer to what is love is, what do you spend your time on? It's Mm -hmm. usually what what you love. Mm -hmm. Or at least it's kind of how you talk about money. It's like, if time is money, what do you spend your money on? Someone else could see that and still throw that into the gift-giving love language. I see that as, okay, time is valuable. What do you spend your time on? And that should be quality time with your partner. Amen. And then words of affirmation. I have always known about myself that I really appreciate this. When people tell me, wow, Jen, like what a, what a great job on that project you did or whatever. I just beam. I just love it. Light up, just glowing. Yes. And I think part of the joy for me of being a teacher was I did get that a lot from my students. And that was really, really nice. And I am going to go ahead and say on the podcast for everyone here, I don't get words of affirmation from Steve very often. When I do, they mean a lot. I would focus on this and I've told her before, this is... Sheer law of diminishing returns. If I kept saying oh it, my goodness. it just wouldn't be as valuable. It's like that that last bite of dessert versus the first bite, I suppose. No, I think of it as the 12th donut from Krispy Kreme Ooh. versus the first one. Oh, <laughs> that is no good. I can't, you know, I can't deny that that could be true, but I do know that I thrive on words of affirmation. And you got a lot of them growing up. Okay. Yes, I was an only child. Remind everybody, my parents adored me. It's true. (laughs) Whereas uh, we can tell this little story. Jen was there. She was a witness to this. So I don't know what you're talking about. Her friend came up to me at one point. I I do know what you're talking about. It's not necessarily words of affirmation, but more of just anything that was a positive statement towards me. Yes. She says, Steve, you have really beautiful eyes. And Steve replies, I was here. I remember this vividly. He turns and looks at her and says, what am I going to do with that? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I said. I mean, what what can I do with that? Just say thanks? Yes. I don't do anything. Yes, that's what you do. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, for all those people out there just waiting to compliment Steve on something, don't bother. I mean, I'm not terrible about it, but I really... A physical attribute I can't really change. So what am I going to do with that? Oh, my. 
I maintain my position. If somebody told me that I look really pretty or something, I'd be like, oh my gosh, thank you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, again, I don't even care if I look pretty. But if, <laughs> I know that. But if I'm pretty enough for my wife, we're all good. It's all about being enough. Just enough. And then we come to physical touch. Again, we did not read the whole chapter on, on any of these. Jen no, skimmed I, it. I skimmed everything. And again, this she already she already touched on it. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. You're welcome. <laughs> that this is this is more of like your public display of affection, not an intimate physical touch situation. Because when Steve first, I mean, and this was years ago when this book was really booming and popular. When we were first talking about these five love languages, he was kind of of the attitude like, "Tell me one guy who isn't physical touch." But he was not talking about the appropriate physical touch, obviously. <laughs> I, was, I was just talking like real life. Who who doesn't want that? Yeah. But when reading it over, I'd be like, that's the last thing I would want. Yes, but I will tell you this, Steve. When we're out in public, it would be so lovely if you like put your arm around me occasionally. Wait, is this our couples therapy for everyone else to hear? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, all my needs. I'm just laying all my needs on the table. <laughs> and Steve's like, whatever. What am I going to do with that? Well, we're already married, so whatever. Just got to persevere, I guess. Yeah. Like the verse says. But you can always hope. I can. That's what love does. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it meant. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, just remember that... There are certain ones that you like to receive and certain ones that you are more apt in your own personality to give. All right, so is it time for our quiz results, Steve? I thought we already revealed. We should just go over a couple of the quiz questions because, listen, I love taking surveys. BuzzFeed for the win! No, I don't do that stuff. You definitely did. Maybe when I was like in college. Was it even in college? No, we were teaching. You gave your students a BuzzFeed quiz. Oh, yes, one time. Oh, my gosh. It was like, which philosopher are you most like or something? Okay, anyway. I love taking quizzes and surveys and all that. This one, I thought for how popular this book was and how long it's been around, I really thought the quiz would be better. The questions would be better. And let me give you a couple. It's more meaningful to me when, A, I receive a loving note, text, email for no special reason from my loved one. Or B, my partner and I hug. What? How do I how do I say one is better than the other? I like both. I want both. I care, I guess, more for the <laughs> hug, but could care less about really either. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I was like, okay, whatever. And then another one. It's more meaningful to me when I can spend alone time with just my partner, just the two of us, or my partner does something practical to help me out. Again, I'm sitting here like, I don't, Really, no. Both good. It depends on the situation. Also, like if there's a super weird smell coming from the dishwasher, I think I'd. it would be more meaningful if my partner does something practical to help me out. Or if the kid just had a blowout diaper, it would be way more practical if Jen changed that instead of I did. Exactly. Exactly. It's more meaningful to me when... My partner gives me a little gift as a token of our love for each other. What could you possibly give me? Can't possibly be that one. Yeah, this one was an easy one. Or 
I get to spend uninterrupted leisure time with my partner. That one was really fantastic. Easy for me. Yeah, that was obviously leisure time. I don't care about little token gifts. I mean, but then at the same time, I would care if you put thought into something special for maybe a special occasion like my birthday or something. And it wasn't just some like grab it from the convenience store on the way home kind of thing. It also would be more helpful if this question said, my partner gives me a little edible gift. When I say that, I mean, Jen would prefer if I had brought her a treat from somewhere. If I had gone out and then I brought back I mean, just as simple as a bag of peanut M&Ms. Oh, yeah. She would love that. Right. Maybe more. I don't even know. What is a token? Like a keychain? I don't (laughs) even know what that is. A little magnet? A magnet? (laughs) Okay, we'll do one more. It's more meaningful to me when my partner unexpectedly does something for me, like filling my car or doing the laundry. Filling my car with what? Okay. Filling it with... Skittles! (laughs) Or my partner and I touch... Touch. <laughs> Poke. That is, I mean, it's uh, not very specific. No, I, I'm like, touch. Okay. Very, very vague. And again, totally depends on the situation. So I don't know. Maybe some of you guys are like, these are so obvious for me for each one. That just was not the case for Steve and me. So uh, let's go to our results. Do you remember what yours are, Steve? Number one was quality time. I was at 37%. This was my top one. But only at 37%, whatever percent means here exactly. But it was quality time for me as well. We do well. Yeah. No, I think that, listen, as much as we're kind of making fun of this, I think it is good to know what you and your partner appreciate in a loving relationship. My next one at 33% was words of affirmation. I think that was my lowest one. My lowest one was receiving gifts, 0%. Honestly, and it's not that I don't like receiving gifts. I do. Like when they're thought out or or even sometimes unexpected. Like I had a little birthday party and people came to it and they brought me things and I was not expecting anything. And it was the nicest thing. And it made me feel very, very special. So I do like receiving gifts. You are special, Jen. Words of affirmation. Life points. <laughs> Might have to give you a, a gift later if you know what I mean. Like a magnet? <laughs> yep, that's it. That's oh, what cool. I'm, that's what I meant. So what we're saying here is that this is a nice tool, but take it with a grain of salt and let it make your marriage or your relationship better. But don't box yourself in. Because if I were to box myself in, I think I'd really focus on words of affirmation. And especially if I took a quiz and it substantiated that. And then I I think I would maybe feel more frustrated with Steve that I didn't get them because it's like, Steve, I took the quiz and it's what I need. It told me that's what I need. And so you need to give that to me. Right. That That's ridiculous. I don't like to be told what to do. No, we know that. But also with gifts, I go back to this one. If someone really, really wanted gifts, like that, that could be a serious money pit. Okay, we got the point. And if someone were to surprise me with a gift, specifically you, I'd be like, oh my gosh, who paid for this? I kind of paid for this. <laughs> yeah. That's not a gift. <laughs> that's. I think that's because, you know, when you, when you get gifts, it's more of the thought behind it. And that's why I didn't resonate with all those quiz answers because it was like a little surprise, this or token. Da, 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 da. It's like, that doesn't seem like it was well thought out. 
So (laughs) I don't like it. So at the end of the day, I think it is your responsibility as a human to talk with your partner, to spend enough time with them to figure out what they need, what you need, have the question for each other and see what your answers are. I asked Steve and he gave me nothing for two days. This is also kind of funny because we've mentioned this before, but this is how Steve works as a human. We are arguing maybe and he just falls asleep and we address the topic the next day. And I've learned actually to be totally okay with this to the point where I've kind of changed my opinion on the whole don't let the sun set on your anger verse that we always use from the Bible. I interpret that differently. I think Steve does too. Never really interpreted it differently. Just didn't care. Okay. Well, I I think a lot of us interpret that verse as you better get closure on your argument before you go to sleep. But that's not what the verse actually says. I think that it means don't be angry when you go to sleep. Whether or not you have closure, you as a human have to figure out how to not be angry and how to table the topic for another time when you are rested. I don't know. I still see that. Maybe it's like, don't be angry when you're dead. Don't die with anger in your heart. Like, Oh, you see sunsetting as a metaphor for death? Sure. Yeah. And then, then I like the Avett Brothers song. No hard feelings. There you go. So Steve needs confidence and competence. And I would add to this from my experience being married to this human. Yeah, what do you what do I need? Sometimes you need time to not talk to me. <laughs> and I feel that that is a gift that I give to you because I want to talk things out right away. Good luck. So I've learned that that is something that I can give to Steve, give him a little time and then everything is better. It's better for me too. So maybe we don't get to have closure on an argument until the next day, but then it turns out to be much better that way. Even though in my brain, I thought we cannot go another minute without getting closure on this. That's totally false. I think people underestimate their abilities to work through and with people they don't like for a time. Yeah. And so if we don't like each other for a time, we still know how to operate and function as parents. We still know how to operate and function as human beings. And we're still respectful to each other. I think that's huge. You never need to be yelling at each other, disrespectful, or taking cheap shots. Like, you're ugly. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't bother. What am I going to do with that? And Jen, she, of course, wants some sort of validation or word of affirmation. You're doing such a great job with this podcast, Jen. Thanks, babe. You do all the work, and I just sit here and talk. <laughs> uh, and quality time. We both like this. It's just kind of time for us to talk. Talk about our day. Talk about future plans, dreams, things like that. She likes that. I know that. I also like that. That's a win, win, win. (laughs) Yes. She wins. I win. We both win. Mm -hmm. All right. So how did we figure out what we needed and how to communicate it? I think it starts with communicating with each other and just asking the question to each other and kind of going from there, but also just living life together. You figure it out. And if you're not, you need to. I mean, you need to make the effort to figure out how your partner communicates love and what they need. Look, if it isn't obvious from my perspective, don't rely on the five love language books. Don't rely on it, but it can be helpful. It can be interesting and it can at least lead to conversation. So yes, did Steve and I both totally scoff at most of the quiz questions? 
Yeah, but you know what else that did for us? It was quality time spent together talking about... Quality time. (laughs) Talking about, oh my gosh, that one question, or what were your results? And then still talking about what each of them were, I think is interesting. So why not take the quiz? Also, I would say don't rely on any pop psychology to dictate what you think about yourself, your partner, or your life together. That's something that you can figure out, hopefully... Right. And I don't think that that's something God would want for you either, because I don't think God created humans for humans to put themselves into categories and boxes. And if we're talking about God involved with this, we also would say that sometimes God is not involved in a loving relationship. I don't know, Steve. Some people say that the sexual act is the closest you get to God. That sounds fine. But sure, then they would be unknowingly getting close to God. I don't know. I've always thought that was a little weird. Look, it goes back to what you had asked before. Do we think that Christians, Christian couples have a stronger love because God is involved? And I say maybe, but probably not. My answer is I, I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. And if statistics are worth anything, I don't know if it's drastically different as far as the divorce rate, divorce rates yeah. among Christians and non-Christians. Not that that's a great indicator of of love or loving relationships, but I know this is a separate issue on it, but the Bible doesn't really like divorce and churches don't really like to endorse divorce. And so it might be the case that Christians are in non-loving relationships longer because of that. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. We'll leave that one. Yeah, table that for another day. So just make sure that you are never being stagnant. Even in your personality, you think, oh, well, this is just What my personality is can't ever change because I'm, you know, the Enneagram number eight or I... That's me. Is it? Oh, I don't even know. Hate (laughs) is what that one is. I think I'm a one, which is something about um, perfectionism. Idealist. Idealism, which I, I do see that flowing through my veins a little bit. But we don't want you guys to take pop psychology or even like a verse from the Bible And just let that be the end all and kind of put it in your mind that that's just how I am and that's how God made me because I think God made you to be able to change. Yes, we believe that. I think we made that clear. Yeah. (laughs) Season one, episode four. Lost a friend over that one. All right. Thanks for hanging in with us. We do like talking with each other. So (laughs) sorry that this episode is probably going to be a little longer than normal. You're just now part of our quality time. Yeah, we had a little therapy session, a little bit. Uh, dishwasher's going to stick around like that. Come on. You got to do something about the dishwasher. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. I'm Steve. Keep the conversation going. Keep the conversation going.